You are already drunk. That's how I have to start today's podcast. Why do you have to start it that way, Jim? I have to start it with, you are already drunk. Because I've been playing the best game in the world since well, this basically this whole past week. I thought you were channeling Christian Bale's Batman there for a second. No. Where are they? Channeling Kenshiro from Fist of the North Star. Oh, oh yes. Fist of the North Star as a manga, moved on to an anime series. Um, very influential, very famous from the 80s. Uh, about a post-apocalyptic wanderer who just punches people so good their heads blow up. He's very, very, very good at punching. He's he's better at punching than anyone. And that's useful in a world where all of the problems in the world are punching and all of the solutions in the world are punching. So he is both the problem and the answer. And he goes around and he punches people loads of times going, ah, da, 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 da. and then they think, oh God, you've punched me a lot, but I'm not hurt. And then he goes, ah, oh, you are already dead. And then their heads blow up because he hit their pressure <laughs> points because that's how biology works. And the new game that came out has all of that, all of the punching people and the you are already dead and the heads blow up. But it's also got the best mini game I've ever played where Kenshiro decides to be a bartender and you've got to either like shake the controller in your hand or rotate the analog stick or press the buttons in order. And then he will mix a cocktail using the exact same martial arts intensity he uses in his fights. So he'll be shaking a, a cocktail mixer just going shake, 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 shake. And then make a cocktail and put it out there and go, you are already drunk. And at that point, I punched the air with my fist and yelled, yes, because it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. So, so this is better than that, that, that Fist of the North Star Warriors game then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the first Fist of the North Star uh, Warriors game, Ken's Rage, I like that well enough. Ken's Rage 2... Uh, a lot of people said it was better, but I didn't like it as much. I thought it was crap compared to the original one. Um, but this, this is, I mean, I said in the Jim Pressions video, it is Yakuza, but with Fist of the North Star draped over it. I mean, it is exactly Yakuza. It's got the same progression, the same style of map, um, the, the same focus on lots of mini games and all sorts of sub-stories that pop up. And... I feel like, because I've, I've been playing um, Yakuza Kiwami as well. Uh, I played, I've been p picking that up again. Um, and Fist of the North Star, Lost Paradise, to give it its full title. Uh, the combat is more fluid in that, I feel. And it's just made for a better game. And I already love Yakuza. So that should tell you how much I really, really love this one. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's so ridiculous. Because Fist of the North Star is an absurd fucking series. Um the over-seriousness of Kenshiro juxtaposed with the ludicrousness of the world he's in, where martial arts decide everything and are magic. We, we were discussing this a couple of weeks ago, um, and the thing that like I, I was saying about this was, it seems like such a perfect fit, because the Yakuza series is all about over-the-top ridiculousness paired with like very strong combat mechanics. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, that, that just makes so much sense for Vista of the North Star. Just incredibly over-the-top, big fight game. It, it is the perfect marriage. It's like whoever decided to put fruits and nuts in a chocolate bar, right? They're clearly a genius for having had that idea. I can't eat fruit and nut bars anymore because they'll put me in the hospital. But I remember them. They used to be nice. Um, genius idea. And you think, when, when you first see fruit and nut, you think... 
Why didn't they have that idea before? The components were already there. And that's like this. Like, the Yakuza team, Fist of the North Star, it's so genius. This idea should have been had 20 years ago. But I'm so happy they had that idea now because it is perfect. It is the perfect marriage of license to developer that I've seen in a long-ass time. And this is the same year the Spider-Man game came out. So I, I, I think this is amazing. Duel on the beach, bloodstained Mary. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Oh, God. Oh, God. You can tell it's a good game because I actually started Podquisition referencing a game and then talking about a game. You've talked about a game before introducing us. That's amazing. Yeah, I haven't even said, hello, Laura Kate Dale. Hello. Well, you, Laura, you, you may not be used to that. But, you know. <laughs> uh, how, how are you doing this week, Jim? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I'm in an excitable mood today. I think just because I've been playing a lot of Fist of the North Star and uh, Yakuza, which just puts you in an excitable mood. That's fair. Yeah, it's <laughs> just it's just too over the top to uh, to not get pumped. I've been in a good mood as well this week. I I've had a week where I actually had time to play a bunch of games and write a bunch of lengthy things about games. I actually had time to do the games bit of this chop. Yes, yes, I saw you did, uh, we'll talk about it a bit later, I'm sure, you did an article on Wonder Song. Yeah. Um, which is one of those games I was going to recommend to you if you hadn't <laughs> seen it already. I did that, I, got, I, I put like a ludicrous number of words down on Super Mario Party this week. I've, I've been having a fun week with video games. That's good. I actually enjoyed them this week. Always nice. It's always a nice surprise to enjoy the video games. <laughs> and we have Gavin, who enjoys video games and also does music that I have heard on the internet, so that proves it. Hello, Gavin. How are you? I'm pretty good. I do enjoy video games. I, I enjoy video games, and people say to me on Twitter, do you only like games? Are there any that you don't like? And the answer to that is, no, nah, I just don't bother tweeting about the ones that I don't like. Yeah. See, I get the the opposite thing, where it's like, do you ever talk about games you like? Um, my answer is always, yes, here is a video I did yesterday about a game I liked. <laughs> Half of you fuckers don't watch the ones where I say I like <laughs> games. Yeah, that was something that got, um, I saw a lot of people say that about Total Biscuit as well, but he would often do videos on games he liked. People don't watch them. Like, the last positive Jimquisition I did, like significantly lower views like a lot of people have a go at me for like doing the same topics over and over but this year especially when i've tried to branch out and do different things they get viewed way less yeah. like if you've got to watch this shit you've got to watch it for it to happen when i write shit where it's like hey cyberpunk here's some reasons why i'm like a little bit cautious on it all of the views as soon as it's like here is a video game that i like and i'm not talking about sjw feelings about at all no one's reading that, and then they're all like, oh, write about video games they actually like. Yeah. Oh, I want to do with that shit. I do. I do it all the time. You don't read them. Yeah. The internet, especially in the last few years, seems to really cater to outrage clicks or anger clicks or just if people are pissed off about something, it's going to get shared way more than if it's a celebration. Oh, yeah. And I understand but it's still kind of a bit sad. I wrote about this about like five, six years ago, and it has only gotten worse. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was true about five or six years ago, and I wrote a thing about it. I forget where. But just pointing out, like, here are all the positive things I've done, and here are all the, you know, negative, slanty things I've done, and it's the difference is night and day between the things people are paying attention to. So you can have a go at me all you want, but the positive stuff's there. 
you've just got to fucking look at it. And of course, some of this has to go on YouTube as well, whose algorithms naturally seem to push not just negative stuff, mm. but actively homophobic, right-wing conspiracy theories, like all of that shit that is just souring everything. Um, but at the same time, especially if you're following me on Twitter and subscribe to my channel and trying to actively look at the content I do, if you're at that point and you say, oh, he never does anything positive, that some of that has to fall on you because I am tweeting about this stuff all the time, you know, especially because of YouTube's algorithm. I am tweeting and retweeting and retweeting my stuff to an, a, a degree that I personally find obnoxious but have to do. Yeah. So it's there. It's it's one of the things that I found nice about like moving to a to a play, like a salaried website type thing. I'm thankfully in a position right now where I can go it doesn't matter if a thing I write gets no views, I'm still fine. Yeah, like I don't want to end up in a in a place where I'm envying going back to that kind of stuff. I don't want to go back to that stuff, but YouTube makes things difficult, especially lately. Yeah. There are things I miss about being independent, but one thing I, I don't miss is being able to feel like, ah, I can just write what I want, and even if it doesn't traffic, I'm fine. Yeah. That's a nice feeling. Thankfully, stuff like Patreon uh, helps that. Yeah, exactly. You know, Patreon is there as a safety net. And even though YouTube, as, as, as we've said before, is constantly burying videos now, that has not had an effect on Patreon and all of the other like social media and stuff like that, which has stayed stable. Um, mm. So, you know, I can afford it, but... You know, my ego doesn't like it. I like seeing my little views go up. I don't like seeing them go down. Um, but luckily, it is mostly ego. Um, you know, just personal wanting to see my my work get out there. You know, I don't make stuff for it to not be seen. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, you know, thanks to people supporting you know, this very podcast, even uh, via Patreon, at least I'm not worried financially. I'm just very, very annoyed, and, and you know, it's demoralising. It is. To put out hard work and then not to be the one responsible for whether it succeeds or fails. That's a hard thing to deal with, you know? Yeah. But what can you do? I keep doing stuff, and, you know, a fair bit of it's positive, especially lately, a lot of positive Jim Pressions videos. It's there if you want positivity, it's there because to be fair it's been it's been a pretty nice couple of years there's been some really good games yeah well like i'm just looking at our list of video games to talk about this week i think every one of them is a one that we're going to be positive about like every video game we're going to talk about this week i think we're pretty dang positive on yeah yeah i'm pretty positive on my one albeit with one big caveat <laughs> do we do we want to start with that one because i suspect I think all three of us have played it. I'm guessing Gata Jim has tried it. Uh, yeah, if you want. Yeah, just just two seconds. I have to, like, literally, like, just... It'll take me ten seconds. Uh, Rachel wants me to turn on the immersion so she can have a bath. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you what. While you do that, I'll get the one negative thing. Um, I plugged in the Raspberry Pi because... The NES, uh, Nintendo Entertainment System on the Switch, just reminded me that, oh, I have all of these games and also all of the games. Mm. Um, and and don't worry, folks, I only play the ones that they don't sell on 
any storefront. So I literally can't give them their money. As I've said in a Jimquisition a few weeks ago, if you can tell me how buying a copy of Jurassic Park for the Mega Drive (laughs) will put money in Sega's pocket, by all means. So anyway, the the short story of it all is is that a lot of games from the old days are shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They are really shit. They really are not as good as we remember them being a lot of the time. No, no. I got so into Spider-Man lately. I go in and out of comic books, and uh, lately I've been big in the comic books, helped um, in no small part by the Spider-Man game that came out. You're going to like what I put out tomorrow, then. Oh, lovely. Oh, is that a lovely song about the Spider-Man? A little song about Peter Parker. Nice. Do a song about... uh, I was going to say Jenna Jameson. (laughs) J. Jonah Jameson. I thought you were going to say Mysterio. (laughs) Has anyone come up with that idea of... Jenna Jonah Jameson. Didn't someone do a song about... Oh, no, I'm thinking of the um, Chase Ely, Dear Chase Elaine. God damn it, Parker! Get me photos of those big boobs! God damn it, Parker! <laughs> Speaking of Mysterio, though, did you see the Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio? There's been some candid shots taken. No, how are we, how we looking? The suit looks pretty swank. I'm, I'm looking this up. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, the, uh, I was calling him Hall. I don't know why. Um, he ain't got his helmet on, but apparently the helmet is going to be present in the film. But we've all seen these Marvel movies. They pay for these big actors, so they've got to show their face a lot. So half the time, they're never in their costumes. But looking at the suit, even though it's not a close-up photo or anything, it does look swanky. Um, so it looks like... I mean, it looks how you'd expect. Like, modern movie, but quite comic you know, a lot of comic reference points. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks pretty cool. It's like a like a suit of armour with a really cool looking cape. That looks really quite cool. Yeah, so it looks like that'll be quite good. Um, but anyway, anyway, a lot of people tweeted that at me and said, have you seen this? After I'd already tweeted it that I'd seen it. But anyway, uh, this is all a roundabout way to say that Monster Party is quite shit. Um, I, I don't know why I felt like replaying Monster Party, but uh, it's that classic NES game that uh, is so Japanese you'd think it was only released in Japan, but it was only released in America and never got a Japanese release. Uh, and it's that game that, you know, has a spider in it at one point that says, sorry, I'm dead. And then that's the whole boss fight uh, <laughs> is the dead spider, um, a pumpkin with a ghost sheet on it saying, don't please don't pick on me. Um, what's that? The other one. There's a, a fried shrimp you gotta fight a fried shrimp uh that just says something like here we go baby um it looks a lot of weird bosses with these non-sequitur speech bubbles a very strange game but you play it and you're like my god they really didn't know how to make games difficult back then they just threw lots of enemies at you that were blatantly unfair um, in the hopes that that would just take you longer to finish the game. And stuff that you couldn't possibly predict and had to just learn the level. Yeah, so, you know, these days you just save state all the way through it. Um, or at least I do, I don't give a fuck. I've got nothing to prove to these old fucking games from the 80s and 90s. They can't touch me now. They can't rat on me. Um, but yeah, I was playing it and... I usually only play through the first level because that's the only level anyone remembers or knows from Monster Party. But I got as far as like level four this time and I was just like, you know what? It really is shit. Loads of these games are shit. Oh yeah, Spider-Man, that's what I'm going to say. I went through all the Spider-Man games on Genesis and uh, SNES and NES and the only good one was a shitty NES one. 
that wasn't good at all. Um, all of the beat em ups on the the Mega Drive and and that like awful, awful games. There's one where you've got to climb up a building and Electro's firing lightning bolts at you. The it gives you a brief window of time where they're telegraphed where they're going to be, but it's like a second. And if you don't get out of the way, you will get knocked all the way back down to the floor. And that's the level. And that's just where you give up because you climb up, get knocked down and realize, oh, that's how it's going to be. Loads of old games are shite. So you don't get knocked down and then get up again and they're never going to keep you down. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Like you get knocked down, you get up again and then it always keeps you down. Um, it's the inverse Chumba Wumba. It's Wumba Chumba. That era's games challenged is basically summed up as like, do, do, do. You see, though, you play the old Mario games, they're pretty well balanced, most of them. They knew what they were doing even back then. Two and three, I think, are very playable still. And Mario World, most of all, but one, I think, is a little bit unfair at times. And don't start me on the fucking lost levels. Oh, my God. Uh. (laughs) I've been playing um, Mario 3. Mario 3 is like one of... One of two or three games in the NES offering on Switch Online that's worth playing for more than five minutes. That is an absolutely brilliant game, Mario 3. Yeah. It's just so good. It's very good. As I've said before, though, triggers my depression because I had my very first major depressive episode while my mother was obsessed with that game. So the music in it actually sets off my depression. Um, And then I just start thinking about death. Wow. So... Yeah, Super Mario Bros. 3 makes me think about death. Through no fault of its own, but that's the fact on the paper. Uh, but anyway, this is, as we say, we're going to talk about, mostly about positive stuff. I've just been playing a lot of games like Monster Party recently for no no good reason. Yeah, um, yeah what do we want to hit up first? Uh, have you been playing that, that Assassin's Creed? Because I know me and Gav have been playing it this week. <laughs> you think Ubisoft want to give me anything? Well, I know they probably haven't given you a copy, but I don't know if you maybe picked it up and wanted to play it. I mean, does it not? I thought it wasn't out yet. I don't know. Is it officially out now? I, I don't know if it's fucking out. Nah, it's out on Friday. Okay, well... I don't know if maybe if you pre-order it, you can get early access or something. If it, I don't know if it's one of them games. Is it out in the States, though, I think? And it may be... No, no. Yeah. I have a copy and I know I'm allowed to talk about it. I just assumed it was out. <laughs> I had a look on the PlayStation Store yesterday because the games come out on the Tuesday. I had a look and uh, it told me it was the fifth. Yeah. Well, in that case, me and, me and Gav will talk a little bit about that Assassin's Creed. Well, we got early copies. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I'm going to pick it up. I Here's the thing. I would recommend picking it up. I don't think Jim will like it, Laura. <laughs> here's the thing. I liked Origins. I liked Origins well enough. What do you, what do you reckon he won't like about it? I really like it. And I think it's really good. And I take it, I think it takes a lot of the stuff from Origins and dials that up further. Hmm. Um, like it's it's much more of an RPG and they've now got a kind of a Bioware style speech system in it. Right. That don't sound bad. And uh, you make choices and things like you have Bioware style choices, which apparently will come back to haunt you later and things. And I love to choose things. But... Oh yeah, go on, Gav. It, this, there's, there's a huge caveat to this game, and this is a, a absolutely huge one. Um, It's quests are leveled, and to get to the level that you need for those quests can take quite a lot of time. And there's a microtransaction that permanently adds more XP 
getting. Oh, that is slimy. And that really, I have to say, is because uh, I got it because I want all the skills and I got the game for free. Like, so I was like, yeah, I'll just get that. And, you know, I like having all my skills and things. And, and I feel like an awful person now for buying it because I'm like, I am contributing to the downfall of our medium. <laughs> I mean, all I'll say is it fucking justifies what I've been saying all this time. They control the pacing of the game to make them the... They create a problem and sell you the solution, basically, with this grinding bullshit. That said, and I think maybe, Laurie, you might agree with me on this one, the stuff that I've been doing to grind up the levels hasn't bored me so far. Yeah, so this is what I was going to say, is I've not picked up the, the DLC thing to increase the, the, the levelling pacing. Because you're a decent person, unlike me. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I've not had a problem with the pacing. Like, it's... It's undeniably I am doing a little bit of grinding. I'm not going just story mission to story mission and that being enough by itself to keep going through. But the content I've been doing to grind has been very, very enjoyable. Um, you can get to the levels just by doing side missions. I mean, you don't have to go out into the wilderness and grind on fucking enemies or anything like that. Yeah. How many of them are actual missions and not the same thing? repeated so far a lot of them have had enough context that they have felt like actual missions yeah the only one that was a fetch quest was kind of funny because i got to say to the npc with cassandra i got to say don't nag me i'm gonna get your stupid fucking wood in those exact in those exact words (laughs) well let me say this let me ask this um as someone who has year on year found the games slightly better each time to the point where I obviously quite famously hated Assassin's Creed 2 um, and then got as far as Origins and was like, you know what? Now this is pretty damn good. Like, for someone like me who has started with a low opinion and that opinion's only raised year on year, am I gonna like this one? I think you're gonna like this... Like My opinion is very similar. My opinion has steadily gone up the more of these they've released, and this feels like a really nice jump to a direction I'm really happy with. Like uh, Me and Gav were talking about this a little bit before the show started. The best way I can describe the feel of this and its sort of shift to being more of an RPG is it feels like if you took an open-world RPG, the kind of games that I normally just sort of power through and want to be like, I just want to see the end of it and be done. And it's stuck enough of a really well-crafted single-player narrative into that open world mm. that I actually wanted to stick around with it. Hmm. I agree. Like, it's it's a big open-world RPG with a single-player linear narrative in the middle of it. And it's strong enough that that single player core is strong enough that i have wanted to go and do the rpg stuff that's to the left and the right of that that main path i'll probably give it a look then i'll probably give it a look yeah um also you can be you can be really heckin' gay that that's i've been very happy about that that's always good you can be gay as you want what puts me off and this is true of a lot of these games now especially since i buy the majority of them when I go on the page and I see three different editions and the season passes and oh, you know God. your silvers and your golds and your pre-order bonuses and obviously Ubisoft are the worst for that with like seven editions and whatnot, it just turns me off of wanting to buy it all together. The first edition I saw advertised of that game cost £90 and I was like, I don't know what's in that version, but fuck! 
fuck? Just looking at what version I was given here and what's in it. I was given the gold edition. I think that's the one that's 90 quid. And the thing is, when it's just an edition, like if it's if that's all it wants to do to make its money, sell these, you know, your silver edition and your gold edition, if it's not filled with the microtransactions as well, which at that point really is over-egging the pudding, I may, pli- like, I may plug in for the special edition. I did that with The Evil Within too, mm. because there was no you know, bullshit monetization that, like, sewn into the game. So I'm like, you know what, I will reward that by buying, you know, the deluxe or whatever it was. Um, I've done that with a couple of games now. But the moment I'm, it's something like an Ubisoft game, I'm like, fuck you. You are asking for too much at this point. You have sewn microtransactions into it and you still want what I would consider the way game companies have answered that. Game prices haven't increased. It's like, no, they haven't, but the full pri- like the full experience, the price increased there with season passes and deluxe editions. It's a valid complaint to make in terms of, like, uh, you know, one principle. It's too much. It's too much that they want. I would totally argue you can just pick up the base version of this game and it's... it's You'll have a good time. You're still going to have a good time with it. Let's say... Usually, for work purposes, that's what I do. If if it's got mm. multiple editions, season passes, and microtransactions, and all sorts of little fucking DLC bullshit, that's where I'm like, okay, base game, just throw out a video, and then I won't be that invested in the game because it won't be the full experience for me. I'll still, you know, I may still enjoy it, and I'll put the video out and say, you know, oh, this is decent enough. But knowing that that's the shell price... I usually lose a bit more investment in it. And, you know, that's the choice the game industry wants to make. It's making them a lot of money now. Um, but I, I, I don't know how anyone can argue that it isn't pure wanton greed. Like, by all means, enjoy the game. I'm not saying don't enjoy the game. Just admit that greed is greed. Yeah, it's undeniably greedy. But I'm having a lot of fun being a badass warrior lady going like, I'm going to... I'm going to go fight my way ag- across this land, smooching every beautiful lady I see and fight- <laughs> fighting off everyone with my big beefy arms. I'm like, mm, yes, I like this. You know what I really like about her, Laura? Yeah. Is that um, the Assassin's Creed series tends to have this weird thing where they're, um, despite murdering hundreds of people, the characters tend to be quite kind of good, goody two-shoes kind of types. But Cassandra is basically a mercenary who wants her money. That's like that. That is your motiva- motivation for the first chapter of this game. I'm a mercenary who wants my fucking money that someone owes me, <laughs> and I love that. She's she's like chaotic neutral, <laughs> maybe bordering on chaotic evil on the alignment chart. She's very like, no, I like I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do because I've got a job to do. I gotta get some money. I gotta smooch some babes. Let's go out and do this. Yeah, and then and and you have somewhat of a hand in shaping whether she's kind of more of a chaotic good or more of a chaotic. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as evil, but more kind of just. No, evils evils maybe a little a little low on that scale, but like yeah, you can. D- there is definitely a reasonable amount of control of how you want to play that protagonist, and it does feel meaningful. Like it doesn't feel like. I'm picking choices that mean nothing. And she, she's she got this very nice kind of um, mischievous, badass way of... De- like, there's a scene early on in the game, Jim, where she steals a guy's glass eye and shoves it up a sheep's ass. 
<laughs> okay. Does does that guy then spend the whole game like screaming because somehow he can see through that eye still, and he's like, ah, I can only see a sheep's ass, because that would be amazing. He does a lot of screaming. Yeah. I I really like I. This game has a male protagonist. I have no idea what he's fucking like. I played a little bit of him at a preview event once and was like, eh, he's not got as much character charisma or anything. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. This lady's fantastic. I'm fucking having a great time running around as, as Cassandra. <laughs> male characters are, are in it. Um, uh, uh, Eli- Elias Tufexis, my, my good buddy who plays uh, Adam Jensen in Deus Ex, plays Leonidas in this game, and he does a great so far with that. All I know is I've already decided who I'm playing as and I haven't even decided if I'm playing the game yet. That, I think you've made the correct choice. Be, be big beefy lady. Yeah, she's cool. She's a lot of fun. Who doesn't like a beef lady? There's there's very few female protagonists in video games that have quite her sort of personality and I'm, I'm very all about this. And her stature. Oh gosh, yeah, she's got Fantastic build. Um, Bear in mind, we only say this in a pre-Bowsette world. Once Bowsette is official canon, the game changes. Everything changes. Didn't you hear that Bowsette is official canon, or very almost was in Mario Odyssey? What? That would have been amazing. Uh, so there was there was a Mario Odyssey art book that came out in Japan in the last week or so, and one of the bits of concept art was Bowser was going to have a hat that he would throw at Peach, and then he would become basically Bowser. Oh, <laughs> so close and yet so far. <laughs> we take a step closer to a Bowser future. There, there's one more thing I want to mention about the Assassin's Creed game, hmm. uh, and this is something that I really, really like, and it's called Exploration Mode. Oh, yeah. And it basically means that when you get missions they're not marked on your map as a marker they someone in the game will describe to you where to find this place and you have to then work that out for yourself following the directions and i think that's really nice no no i ain't got time for that (laughs) i got a family and a job no (laughs) that said um the eagle the eagle is a little bit too powerful i think laura with finding the oh yeah yeah because when you get within like 500 meters of the place you're meant to be the eagle will start being like "Ah, ah," and then you can find it instantly if you are worried about finding it just use the eagle the eagle will do it for you but (laughs) i i enjoyed the challenge of like trying to follow instructions and directions and to actually explore the world a bit yeah because you never get lost i mean because no it's it's they've done a good job with making Making um, each area that you're meant to find look distinct enough. Yeah, it it felt somewhat similar to something like Breath of the Wild, where it's like a character might give you directions and you might go exploring to find a thing, mm. but you're always going to find your way back to where you need to be if you need to. Like it, nothing, nothing is off the off the beaten path too much. I hate looking for things. You can you you can have your map marker if you want, Jim. There's a mode where you can. There's a mode where you can be a filthy casual. That's all I ask for. <laughs> I agree with you, Gav, that I've I've been really enjoying exploration. Yeah, me too. I'd prefer it if the game just played itself for me, like Final Fantasy Thirteen or something. <laughs> Actually, that's a, a comparison that I saw it being compared to a Final Fantasy game, in that it takes fifteen hours to get good. And I'm yeah. like, were they playing? Were they playing the same game as me? To be fair, to be fair, they did say it picks up after 15 hours, which I still, yeah. I like, imagine saying that about other entertainment products, only in video games where it's like 15 to 30 hours and it's like, that's when it really gets good. I saw that point and I'm not 15 hours in yet, but I saw that point and I was like, I'm less than 15 hours in considerably and I'm having a fun time with it, so. Yeah, I we were talking, I was 
chatting with Laura about this last night, and it was like, I'm if this is how much fun I'm having before having before the fifteen hours. Well, then I'm really looking forward to after the, the fifteen hours. You know, that's certainly a different situation than like Final Fantasy thirteen, where they were like, just stick with it for thirty hours, and then it gets good. And fuck off. It didn't get that good after 30 hours. That game seriously took 30 hours to to not be a linear game. If you're the kind of person, though, who likes a nice, fast-paced story that moves along quickly, this might not be the game for you. But for me, and I think maybe for you too, Laura, it's like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's for me, I love this kind of slow-paced game that I can just play it uh, in long chunks and i i yeah i keep describing playing this game as like when i played fallout 4 i kept finding myself going there's this big open world but i'm not interested i'm just gonna try and get through the story and and that'll be me done with it probably i'll i'll have a good time but i'm not gonna go looking for things i feel like this is one of those games that has got me to go you know yeah, I'll, I'm I'm okay with slowing down and taking, you know, taking my time to work through this one. What's that over there? I want to go investigate that. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a while since there's been an open world game that I felt like that about, and I think it's they've done a really good job of balancing the RPG stuff along with the single player action game stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, other games that we played this week. Me and Jim have played one. That oh oh I'm I'm excited to have a chance to talk to someone about this one, Jim. Oh, 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 oh. the video game. That is what it is. Ah, uh, that was beautiful. Wonder Song is amazing, isn't it, Jim? It's a it's so bright. That's what uh. I love about it most. Like I put it on the uh, just to capture footage at first, but I was like, this is a bit better to play on a TV rather than handheld, just because. You pop it on an HD TV and it really pops. Um, the colours are glorious. The whole game just looks like it's made out of like layers of like brightly coloured children's craft paper, like layered yeah. over each other. It looks so fab. Yes, it's this side-scrolling adventure game about doing a singing. Yeah, you're you're a bard who has a dream about like, hey, maybe you're the hero that can save the world, and he tries to pick up a sword and it's like, nope, can't hold this, and he decides, oh, the world's ending. I'm going to go sing the world better. Yeah. I'm just going to try and sing the world better. Pretty much it. And then goes to all these different towns and solves their problems with the power of the singing. It's such a cute little game. That the right stick at all times is eight directions that you can be singing. And you can do that during conversations, during cutscenes, you can be singing. A dedicated dance button. You've got a dedicated dancing button at all times. Doing a little shuffle when people... I love the shuffle. You can learn new dances to, to do as you go across the world. It's just... Nope. The world's got problems. Music doesn't have to be perfect to be good. Just sort of fumble your way through music and its wonderful power to make people a bit happier. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's got rhythm game stuff in it, but there's no real lose condition for those things. Oh, it's so forgiving. The punishment is basically the song doesn't sound as good, which is good because that whole eight points using, um, the, especially the Switch's analog stick, where you're expected to let go of the stick and remove the stick every time to change notes rather than keep it down and move it. It's a little bit unintuitive and a little bit of a mess, but it's tempered by the fact that there isn't really a way to lose it. So I ended up, like, what I learnt you could do was to sort of half push the stick in a direction and it'll put, bring up a little circle that'll show whether you're heading to the correct point on that wheel or not. 
um, before you hit it, and that was getting my accuracy up a lot. I know that circle comes up for certain games. Uh, where you've got to follow it. In general, if you just sort of half push the stick, that little circle will come up anyway within the wheel. But yeah, the thing, the worst punishment I got for failing a music rhythm section in that game was that the song just looped from the beginning and I kept going and tried again. There's no like Guitar Hero style no. that you did wrong or no like... It's just a case of music isn't a perfect thing. You just... You just do it, and you feel it, and it and it and it works, and you, you have experiences based on music, and music is a beautiful thing. It's one of those games that, and I've I've praised this in several games before, where they've got one idea, and rather than try and throw lots of ideas out there, they take that one idea and do lots of things with it. Mm, so yeah. you're solving environmental puzzles by like singing to change the direction of wind currents. Or hitting notes circular to... Singing to make a plant grow. Make a plant grow. Or singing, like, just hitting all the notes in a circular motion to turn levers. Or singing singing the same song as a bird, and then the bird will help you do a big jump. Yeah. Yeah, there are those, like, basically games of Simon, where you're uh, following commands, or you know, following the circle to hit the notes in the right time. They do a lot with just moving the stick in eight points to sing. Um, the the versatility of that concept is really like every single chapter has one or two new things to do and it never lingers on an idea it doesn't just make you do the same shit over every chapter has a has a new use for that one simple mechanic but then on top of that they have a lot of narrative uses of it that i really liked as just contextualizing why music's really good like Relatively early on, there is a there's a bit of the game where you're trying to recruit some some musicians to join a band, and you'll you'll probably remember this one, Jim. There's there's a woman who doesn't want to join the band because she feels bad about playing her first concert without her her mother there. Yes, yeah, the accordion lady. Yeah, and there's just this beautiful moment where you just sit and play music together as a way for her to connect with her mother, and it's just it really appreciates what makes music a beautiful thing. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's, it's just a really beautiful, positive, hope-filled, optimistic kind of game. Yeah. I like, I like, the, uh, I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> Forming a band in a game. Oh, yeah. It's got a dorky sense of humour as well, and, you know, just... It's very silly and, and stupid. A lot of the jokes are stupid, but in that <laughs> sort of charming way. In that, oh, that is such a stupid it's, conversation, but it's lovely at the same time. It's a really easy game. Yeah. Reminds me of Adventure Time. Yeah. Anytime you fail at anything, the the checkpoints are really forgiving. It's, it's, it's not about the challenge. It's about going on this just palate cleanser of a journey. Yeah. I mean, you could compare it to something like Edith Finch in terms of what the focus of the the game is. Yeah. You know. Gameplay-wise, different, but it's not about challenging you. It's telling you a story, but still involving you interactively. Yeah. So in terms of goal, you could compare it to something like Edith Finch or... Yeah. You know, any of the, the games they call walking simulators. Um, but, you know, this game has a, has more puzzles and things in it as well, but just very low-stakes stuff. They're, they're never too challenging. They're never too lengthy. It's it's just enough to be like, we've, we've shown you some cool things we can do with this mechanic. Now on we go. And yeah, yeah I, I just love this, this 
game's cast of characters, um, the protagonist in particular, this person who has no right to be a hero and is just like, <laughs> but but maybe I can sing past my problems. Even if there's a man on a boat punching me in the face, I can sing my way through that problem. This fun, naive... <laughs> Uh, little character, yeah, yeah. He's like, I, I can, I can sing to cure a curse from this yeti's boyfriend, or I can sing to make this man who's punching me in the face maybe stop doing that. And he's just so naively optimistic, and I love him, and I want him to succeed. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you root for him just because he is such a, such a charming little silly sausage. <laughs> it's, it's rare that I play a game and it just makes me feel so consistently good. Yeah. Like, there are so few things about this game that I I just play this game and I just feel better about things. Yeah. The world just feels a little less dark when I'm playing Wonder Song. Which is funny because it's about the world. It's, you know, the the central premise is the world is ending. Yeah. And yet everyone's just chill. Yeah. It's, It's about, like... A lot of people have come to terms with the world ending and your protagonist going, yeah, but wouldn't it be better if it didn't, though? Yeah. Maybe it'd be better if it didn't. Like, sometimes I feel like it's trying to answer the central theme of Dark Souls because the idea of a cycle in a very similar way comes up. Mm. But this is a guy who's just like, you know what? Enough with this depressing cycle. Let's do something about it and, and, you know sing and dance our way through it. Just because the world ending and being rekindled is the way that things go, that's really pretty dark. Yeah. Maybe we just maybe we just cheer each other up and have a better time and don't you know, just resign ourselves to the fact everything's going to be terrible forever. Yeah. And that's out on PC and obviously I got the Switch version, it's out on Switch as well. Same. Uh, God, <laughs> the, the Switch is on fire. I mean... Uh. The story's getting difficult to navigate now. Yes. With the amount of games going up, and they, a fair few of them are starting to look a bit fucking shitty. Oh, yeah. But I can't deny that it's got so many good hits. Um, in fact, I just got a, a review request email in for The Missing, Swear is new game, um, which is out on all the platforms, but again, obviously, I want the Switch version. Oh, I need to see if I can get a code for that. Like, barring the fact that, you know, there are some really good exclusives on the PS4, um, and I think the Xbox One has some good ones, um, (laughs) the Switch is is turning into an almost perfect system. Because it's not only getting really good new games, but... They're throwing a lot of old classic games. I mean, fuck, it's going to have almost all the Final Fantasies, except eight, poor old eight. Um, but all of those Final Fantasies, all sorts of shit. Dark Souls. There's a bit of a story as to why eight hasn't come to the Switch and why it's not coming to things. Oh, yeah. The short version is they can't find the original code for it, and that game is so broken that they don't think they oh, can reverse engineer it. They konami it. Yeah, we're probably never getting a good port of that game. To, en- to anything. That is sad. It is really sad. Because that game ain't so bad. Its biggest crime was just following Seven. Yeah, so that that's a shame with that one, but... Wow. Yeah, like, in, in terms of good stuff on, on the Switch, like, if we're done with Wondersong, I've been playing another Switch game this week that is, that is better than it has any right to be. Oh? I've been playing Super Mario Party, and it's really good. Oh, you mentioned, yeah, because you, you wrote on Kotaku, like, 
loads of words about it. I, I wrote like two and a half thousand words on on a fucking Mario Party game. That's so... that's a good fucking Mario Party game. Yeah. I presume you're going to explain it, but I presume is this a Mario game that is literally what the title describes? Is it a bunch of party games? Okay, so I'll explain this for Gav, who's not familiar with this series. Like, it's been going on since the N64, and the basic premise was you've got a fairly linear board game board, you go around the board collecting coins as Mario characters, you try and use those coins to buy stars, whoever gets the most stars at the end of the board game wins. But sort of between each round you do little uh, mini-games to try and win things to help you in the rest of the board game. Yeah. And it's a fun little idea, it's never been particularly strategic, um, it's been a lot of roll, roll a dice, hope you're lucky with your result, move along a mostly linear track, uh, that that sort of thing. It's not really changed in 15, 20 years. And this is the first one that I think has actually done some things to make it a viable strategic uh, party board game. Uh, so looking at just it's like its traditional board game, party game mode, um, the big changes that they've made are that they've now given each character that you can play as their own unique dice that they can use um, and they will have varying different numbers on them that you can have as your character dice so I think Bowser Bowser has like an 8, 9 and 10 on the top half of his dice but on the bottom end it's like oh if you hit the, the lowest three numbers on that dice not only are you not moving at all you lose three coins for even trying um, and every character has like a standard 1 to 6 dice plus this unique character one which is like, okay, from the start, that's, that's an interesting idea. It gives a bit of strategy to, do I desperately need to hit this thing, like, right now is, like, that's ten spaces away? Do I take that 50-50 shot that I might not move at all? Or do I go with a more predictable dice? The other thing they do is they have a mechanic on the board game where you can collect other characters who aren't being used at the moment. You can collect their unique character dice. So by the time you're, like, a bit of a way into this board game, you might have seven or eight different types of dice that you can look at and go, well, if I use this dice, I'm pretty much guaranteed to get a four, and that's a nice predictable number in the middle. It's not the exact number I need, but, I, you know, that'd be a predictable result. I could take a chance and try and get a ten with that dice, but what happens if I fail? It actually adds a bit of strategy to what was previously a very standard sort of just move around the board and hope you're lucky kind of board game. Um, on top of that, there's a bunch of, like, not-the-party-game not board game modes that I was I had a surprisingly great time with. Um, there is a music rhythm game in there that is basically a fucking um, rhythm heaven game. That, that sort of quirky music rhythm series that Nintendo did on the DS for a while. There's basically one of those in there. Uh, there's a there's a game where you're rafting down rapids and trying to do mini games to get more time to explore all these like different ruins and rapids that again legitimately really fun. There's a strategy game where you're on the same maps as the standard board game, but instead of being on linear routes, you have a grid system and you can basically go wherever you want on the map and. Uh, they do stuff like adding you and your teammates dice together to give a combined number, and you can split up and work on objectives together. There's a bunch of just, like, really actually quite good strategic board game content in here that Mario Party's never really had before. 
Um, just looking at the silly mini games as well, they're probably the best quality they've been. They make a lot of really interesting use of the of just a sideways Joy-Con as a as an input. They're all simple enough that anyone can pick them up and have a go, regardless of their game literacy. But they have a skill barrier where you can practice and improve on them. I don't know, I've just had a really good time with this Mario Party. I put like 20 hours in over a weekend. Wow. That sounds good. Yeah, like, I don't remember... I I normally would not have put this much time into a Mario Party, but the, the night it turned up, me and my fiancé, we played for seven hours straight till two in the morning, and we're like, should we play some more of this in the morning? Yeah, we're having a great time. We played like 20 hours over a weekend, and are still like... The other night, we went... Yeah, let's play another round before bed. It's a really fucking fun, like, it's an accessible party game that people who don't really know games will be mechanically fine to play, but with some actual strategy rather than just hope the dice is correct. Good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know I've just kind of waffled there, but... It must be good, because, I mean, yeah, it kept you talking, it was... You sound pretty excited about it, so that's a good sign, like, yeah. Yeah, it was like me banging on about North Star at the beginning, so, yeah. I did not expect to get this excited and enthused about a Mario Party game. Um, I've, I've got a couple of little quibbles about it. There's some really interesting minigame content in the, in this game that most people are never gonna fucking see. Um, so there's this whole area called Toad's Rec Room, where it's a bunch of games that make use of multiple switches in interesting ways. Um, a good example of this is there's one where you lay two switches on the table, and you select, like, you, you create the layout for a defensive, a defensive grid for this, like, tank combat game, and then you slide the two switches together and decide which orientation to put them around and how they'll line up. And then you play this game across the pair of switches. It's a really cool thing. But you need two switches and two copies of Mario Party to play it. Uh... And I tried to find a way to, like, fudge the rules and see if I could make it work with one copy of the game. Um, Nintendo are wise. They did not let me do that. Um, Mm. I basically... For anyone who's curious and and is thinking, oh, maybe I've got a solution to, to do this... I tried downloading the game on my primary Switch, getting a second Switch, logging in as myself and downloading the game on a secondary Switch, turning my Wi-Fi off on the primary Switch so I could boot both copies of the game up at once, and it didn't complain that the primary Switch was already playing, then tried to connect them to be like, here you go, can we play multiplayer? No. Uh, It knew it was one copy of the game. I thought Toad's Rec Room was Donald Trump's pants. Ha! (laughs) (laughs) Um... But yeah, like, that's my biggest complaint, is there's some fun, cool minigames that make good use of the Switch tech that most people will never see. Uh, that reminds me of Zombie slash Zombie U. Yeah. The, the zombie game that Ubisoft did. Uh, obviously, they put that on PS3, PS4, I forget which one, but PS4, I think. Yeah. Um, they re-released that, but no version of it since the Wii U version has the multiplayer. Um, and obviously not many people bought Zombie U or Wii U um, comparatively. Um, so not many people played it. Uh, I played it once or twice with uh, the Sep Kid. 
And it was really cleverly done, mm. but we will never see it again. Uh, where one person had the Wii U gamepad and the other person had a controller, so obviously you needed things to get it done. Um, you know, you needed extra hardware. But one person was playing with the controller on the screen, the other person was controlling where the zombies were placed. And so for them, it was sort of a strategic thing of trying to, you know, trap the player um, with zombies and whatnot. And the other player was dealing with them on screen. And it was a great little uh, asymmetrical multiplayer experience that maybe five people ever took advantage of. Mm. Um, it's a shame. And that seems to be a Nintendo thing as well, where there are these extra barriers to get some of the content. And some of that content may might be great, yeah. but they sort of wasted their time with it because not many people will see it. Well, that's, that's it. Like, I went to a review event for Super Mario Party for a couple of hours, and that's the only reason I know what that Toad's Rec Room content is like, because they had, like, six Switches and copies of the games there. I went home. I'm in a two-Switch household. I don't have a second copy of the game. Couldn't do it again at home. I love the way you said that as if it was a government statistic <laughs> from, a from a census. <laughs> Thirty uh, percent of British citizens are two Switch households. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like the fact that that's my biggest complaint about the game is there's some cool content that a lot of people won't see. I just had a really good time with it. It's it's I've I've played most of the Mario parties at least for a little bit, and this is the most interesting it's been in a long time. This is how the Democrats uh, need to sell their their uh, November uh, elections. <laughs> they need to tell everyone there'll be two Switch households <laughs> all over the country. Uh, uh, and yeah, the, the other thing uh, I finally started play, replaying uh, this week is uh, I finally got my copy of uh, Undertale on Switch. My, my physical collector's edition showed up ah. with the little heart locket that plays the music. I'm curious how many playthroughs... I wonder, have you done as many playthroughs of Undertale now as I've done of, like, say, Fallout 3? or I think I think the most playthroughs I ever did of a game is, like, nine or something. I've probably played through that game, like... If, if I'm counting, like, a full playthrough as I did all of the paths on it before I did it again, probably three times previously. Like, not a huge number of times, because mm. a big part of that game is by the time I have finished playing one of those paths through, yeah. I don't want to play that game for a while. I feel emotionally deflated. <laughs> Isn't... Isn't replaying that game kind of a mechanic in the game, from what I understand? Indeed it is. In-universe as well. Like, it's not just all fourth wall. They find a, an in-universe explanation for everything that is, you know, makes a video game a video game. Yeah, it on PC, which is where I've previously, the only place I've really played it, you can, there are tools you can use to properly erase your computer so that you can start a fresh playthrough over and it, it won't know that you've played it before. Which really defeats the purpose of it. It really Honestly, it, it does, and I acknowledge that, and I acknowledge that I've done that and it has somewhat devalued some of that, but because I've wanted to go through with other people who've not experienced it before and I'm like, okay, well, I've got it on my PC, I will give it a wipe so that you can play it from scratch. This is why I'm like, I'm actually kind of nervous about playing it on Switch, because as best <laughs> I'm aware, there is no circumventing it once you've once you've done that on Switch. So I won't do it. Even if you could, I won't do it. I won't kill Papyrus. That like simply put. I was just like, is there not an option in the game to not 
kill anyone and like be a nice. Here's the thing: there is a, there is totally you can play that game and not kill any of the characters, and that's your playthrough. The it's 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 one of those things that makes that game really interesting. Is some of the most mechanically interesting and challenging video game content in that video game. You. Mm, if you can't take it back, you have to live with the fact that you're like, oh yeah, no, I chose to kill these characters because I wanted to see the cool boss fight. The game is is like, you look on the back of the box and it's described as the, the RPG where nobody has to die. And that's it. Nobody has to die. But you, if there are certain things you want to do, or if you're just curious, and that's part of the game's premise, is yeah, the, the curiosity of a player who has the power to reset things and 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 you know I, I feel like we can safely have this discussion with the game being out and a lot of its mechanics already well known yeah if you complete that game without killing any characters at all a character shows up and starts going aren't you curious though what if i told you there is another ending to that game and like i can tell you how to go get it do you want to go see a bunch of content you've not seen? Come on, come on. If you get the, the true pacifist run, yeah. you're even told, like, if you restart this game, you will take them out of this lovely thing you gave them. Like, You're taking away this lovely ending you gave them. Are you sure you, you want to do that? I've heard that some players, like, buy into it so much. That's the beauty of the way it's written. They buy into it so much. They will save the, the save file on a thumb drive to secure the happiness of the characters inside. Yeah. I love that. It's just so charming. Honestly, there's a bit of me that's thinking, like, you know, I'm what I might do with the Switch version is have my my primary Switch account and just do a true pacifist run. Yeah. And then set up another account as another user and go, oh. okay, fresh file. Uh, if I want to do my my, my my genocide, I'll do it there. And it... I don't have like they'll still be okay in that in in that account they're still okay they still had their good ending. That game that game is so cleverly written that there is a one character will call out people who are watching the genocide run on a let's play. Oh my god! Describing yeah. them as sickos who just want to watch. Yeah, you're you're not even you're not even like brave enough to do it yourself. You're trying to you're trying to experience this without the blood on your hands. Well, nope, you've still got blood on your hands, friend. Out of curiosity, I've gone that far. I've I've at least wanted to see the, you know, the two main like fight, boss fights that you get out of it, the two yeah. tough ones. Um especially because, you know, the the most famous music track in the game is one you're actively discouraged from going to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to at least see the context for that lovely bit of music. Um, but it is a, it's even as a watch, it's fucking heartbreaking. Here's the thing, as someone who has beaten that that most difficult boss in the game... Indeed you have. Like, it, the, one of the themes of that game, no matter what sort of route you play it through, is um, determination. And I never really understood quite how strong that game's theme of determination was until I had played through both true, the true pacifist and the genocide route, where it's like... Yeah, no, to get through the genocide route, you have to be determined. You can't accidentally get that ending. You have to go in and go, I am doing this. And Yeah. Which, of course, is what made humans so dangerous in the universe as well, was their determination to yeah. do things, even if they're really horrible things. Just because they they want to know that they can. 
it's oh, that game is so fantastically done. Oh, it's brilliant. I have that that physical collector's edition now, and I'm like, mm, I'm gonna do my true pacifist run, and then it's just gonna sit there for a while. And I know that temptation <laughs> to play it through on genocide is gonna be there. Yeah, oh, I mean, it gets tempting because you want to experience more of that game and see everything it has to offer. And that's, of course, that's a big point of it. The fact that I love that game so much and want to experience as much of it as possible makes me the villain of that game. Yeah. There's a reason why one of the characters constantly says, don't you have anything better to do? Yeah. It's, uh... I, I, I still think that game is an absolute fucking masterpiece. And I mean, not enough good things can be said. I'm, I'm glad I have a physical edition of it, because if that game ever ends up not on digital storefronts or... Whatever. I'm. I'm glad I have a version that will work. And I've got my little. I got my little music box thing that makes music. Yeah. Yeah. I got the. I didn't get the Switch version because I got the PS4 um, edition when Fan Gamer put that out. It's a lovely little music box. Yeah, it's so adorable. It's really well made. Laura, will any of the um, Undertale monsters be making it into the books book? Um. Or is that a spoil? Is that too much um, of a spoiler? Y- yes. There will there okay. there will be at least at least two Undertale butts are, are oh, going to be in the butt book. Let me. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, Fan Gamer has a set of tarot card art prints yeah. for Undertale, and the tarot card for Jerry, fucking Jerry, <laughs> oh, fucking Jerry. Um, has a juicy butt on it that you don't see in game. But it's I don't know if you've seen it, but it is a juicy plump butt. If it's a video game butt, I have seen it. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, uh, that's uh, me preaching to the butt choir there. I will say about that butt book. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna get that video game butts book, may- maybe be looking at my Twitter about this time next week, maybe, and and be there- there's gonna be a bunch of cool art and videos and announcements and guests and shit. So, and from what I've seen so far, like especially the artwork, it is really good. I saw a picture last night of one of the butts from a a lady character <laughs> that I was a fan of, and I was impressed. Yeah, <laughs> with that butt, I'm I'm really <laughs> excited for people to see this butt book. I've I've been I've been working hard on it for a while, but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to get digging into Undertale. That was that was my my birthday present to myself. Is like two months ago I ordered that collector's edition, and it it turned up today. Good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Uh. Before we finish up, very quickly, there was one bit of news that we should probably uh, mention happened since last episode. Uh, Sony have finally caved. They're letting they're letting people do crossplay finally. Oh yes, yes, at last. I mean, it was gonna happen. Oh yeah, yeah. The pressure that had stayed up, especially you know in a an environment where people get apathetic really quickly. Um, yeah, it. it they had to address this eventually. The pressure was just too... It was there too much. What, what I find hilarious is that literally two or three weeks ago, they were still saying, nope, we're not going to let you do crossplay because we think it's a better experience for players if they're only allowed to play with their PlayStation friends and not allowed to play with their other friends. We think that's a better, superior experience. And then like weeks later, they're like... Well, we find we've been working hard on this, and we finally worked out the barriers to to let pl- players do. It. We just had to flip the switch and let them do it. Yeah, they they tried to make it sound like they 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 made some great grand discovery that allowed them yeah. to do crossplay. <laughs> really, they just. I mean, knowing it, knowing the fact that it's Sony, it obviously was a massive hurdle to get over their fucking attitude. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've adjusted it now, so you know they they did smash through that Herculean barrier that is 
adjusting their fucking shitty, snotty attitude. Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing it a couple of games at a time. They're starting with Fortnite. Here's what I'll say about that. They're making it so you can finally bring your PS4 account for Fortnite over to the Switch. Too fucking late for me. I went and did season five of Fortnite on Switch. I've got a bunch of shit on my Switch account now. I'm sticking yeah. with that one. That is that is one issue is a lot of people like unless they really did dig in their heels and wait because even Justin my art guy um like Justin was so he was trolling PS4 on Twitter con- like every single tweet every single day he would reply twisting their words to make it about Fortnite you know they're like <laughs> oh we're excited about Spider-Man coming out and he'd instantly reply one of the first replies all the time with well I'm excited about the idea of Fortnite uh, opening up on crossplay um constant like he was a trooper on that but even he eventually was just like fuck it I'll make a new account I'm n- I'm now Laura K Buzz switch on Fortnite rather than Laura K Buzz because unless you're going to give me a way to combine those accounts or or something Ah, I'm sticking with the, the Switch one. The Switch was good to me. Sorry, Sony, you don't get yeah. my money this time. So it's like, it's it's good that it finally happened, but I'm not going to, you know, applaud Sony for it because this is an issue that should have been resolved. Well, it shouldn't have been an issue. Once cross-play became pretty expected, once, the, uh, once Nintendo embraced it, when Nintendo embraces a thing, especially to do with online play, if you've not embraced it by then, you are so behind. There, there were video games that accidentally allowed crossplay on PS4 and other consoles. Yes. Like, clearly there was no tech barrier. Developers were accidentally doing it. Yeah, I think it was the Rocket League devs who said it was literally a Switch. Literally, we push a button. Yeah, it's literally like, it's a Switch that we're not allowed to flip. Yeah. So it was all all the time an active suppression, not an issue, not a problem, not a workaround they needed to do. They were at, they just had to stop suppressing it. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to congratulate them for this because it is late. Yeah, there's one other bit of uh, PlayStation news that I just thought was really funny. Um, people have pointed out that at um, PlayStation Experience 2017, which is their big PlayStation convention thing they do every winter, they were like. PSX 2018, fans won't be asking us about PSN name changes anymore. PSX 2018 has been cancelled. That's why you won't be asking about name changes at that event. (laughs) 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 They cancelled the event so they wouldn't have to talk about name changes. (laughs) 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 Beast man! Sorry. Every every time Sony uh, does something, I I get a little bit skeletal, and don't we all? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think I think that's it for this week. I reckon. Uh, yeah, that's good. That was a fun. I enjoyed this podcast very much. I don't mind fucking telling you. Yeah, we had a good one. We were all positive and shit. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, while people are all smiles and dances, uh, how can they skedaddle over to find more of your content on the internet, Laura? Uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Laura K Buzz on YouTube, Laura K Buzz on Twitch. You can find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. You can find me on 
Dice Funk, which is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons real play podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4 and 5. Each season is a self-contained story. Season 3 is about a bunch of adventurers trapped in a town that they can't escape. Season 4 is about a cyberpunk story where a bunch of people overthrow capitalism through crimes. And then season 5 is a space adventure with tentacles that try and eat your brains and it's got Comrade Zimmerman in it. Uh, I'm also on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a podcast where me and my fiancé do silly voices and skits and try and make each other have a bit of a giggle. And about prob probably next week when the podcast goes up, probably around then, you'll be able to put some money down for that butt book and look at all of the cool bits of art and shit that I've prepared to entice you into purchasing my creation. Excellent. I'm really looking forward to that butt book. I'm really looking forward to that bubble. I'm excited to be able to talk about all the fucking cool people I've got involved I in can't it. Wait. That, that list of people I've got involved is going to get some people hype. I can't wait. Um, and Gavin, you do music. And I'm I'm looking forward to... Apparently you got a Spider-Man song coming out tomorrow at the time of recording. So it'll be out today, I think, by the time the podcast is out. Yeah. It should be, yeah. So where can people hear that and all of your other lovely stuff and follow you and all of that things? You can find it on YouTube uh, under Miracle of Sound. And this one was a lot of fun. It's kind of got... Uh, I, I tried to imagine what kind of music would Peter listen to. So the song's kind of a cross between Blink-182 and The Offspring. Because that's, uh, <laughs> that's what I imagined would be the kind of music he would like. Very upbeat, but kind of rocky as well. So you can find that on youtube you can find me on patreon if you want to support me under miracle of sound i also have merch which i keep forgetting to plug so that's on miracle of sound dot fan fan fiber and uh you can find me spotify itunes all those good places and of course on the usual social media channels twitter and facebook and instagram where you can watch me cleaning my kitchen excellent um i keep forgetting to talk about the fact that we're on instagram now jimquisition is on instagram if you want to follow that we've been um let's post pictures because one or two people there are really stupid and think i look quite handsome i don't they're just stupid <laughs> um <laughs> thank you so i sometimes put up a couple of selfies now just to feel better about my own miserable life um but i post up uh you know justin uses the account too to post up behind the scenes stuff um uh, there's a video on there right now about Jimquisition Pogs, which we got the prototypes in for. So we will be doing Jimquisition themed Pogs, uh, Pogquisitions, as it were, <laughs> um, on the Jimporium. Uh, the ability to order on the Jimporium right now is still disabled while we fulfill pre-orders. Uh, we're finally getting the merch into us, and then we're shipping the merch out from us. And then once everything's fulfilled and everyone's happy, uh, we will... Uh, reopen that and we will have hopefully these pogs coming out uh, and some other stuff as well um i've also got to sign over 600 uh, trading cards um to include in all the orders the amount of orders we got in was far 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 beyond what we expected so thank you so much um especially right now supporting us on patreon on the jimquisition patreon uh sharing videos and podcasts and uh you know, if you want, getting tat on the, the Gymporium all helps. And that, as I've said, that's all stayed solid and stable, um, which keeps us in business and keeps me from worrying because Lord knows I don't need more anxiety attacks. So thank you so much for that support. Honestly, this year more than ever, it has been incredibly meaningful. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And we will see you next week as ever. 
Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.